a long time ago on a spinner rack far, far away. The Comic Book Time Machine presents Marvel's Cosmic Comics, exploring Marvel's licensed sci-fi and fantasy during the Star Wars period. Episode 29, John Carter, Warlord of Mars, issue number 6, November 1977, and Ben's Bullpen Bulletin. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, comic book writer, comic book fan, comic book collector, and comic book reader. And I'm here because I want to talk about Marvel's sci-fi licensed comics. This episode, we're talking about John Carter, but uh, just a reminder that this <laughs> these episodes have been chopped up from longer episodes that you can find in our main feed at comicbooktimemachine.com on iTunes and all that kind of thing. Uh, so what I've been doing is I've been taking those longer episodes, I've actually had to reverse engineer them for these shorter episodes that go into this feed. And when at some point when this feed catches up with the regular feed, I'll actually be crafting the episodes with this in mind. Uh, the main feed will still get the longer episodes and this feed will have the shorter episodes. So you can follow along as they come out on this feed, or you can wait and get those longer episodes in the main feed. But sometimes there'll be some language that comes up like, uh, you know, I talk about, well, in this episode we talk about or in in last episode we, we talked about and it actually doesn't match up because last episode was, you know, not, you know, October 1977. Last episode was actually, you know, Marvel movie special, The Deep. So keep that in mind. But as we go on right now, um, we're just going to be discussing John Carter, Warlord of Mars, a comic book that I really like. And so I'm going to turn it over to the old me as he discusses the issue an issue that if i remember correctly i really liked john carter warlord of mars number six came out august 24th also happens to be my wife's birthday cost 35 cents as i said before and also had 17 pages of story so here's the setup deja thoris john carter's love is kidnapped by Stara Khan and imprisoned in a place that only he knows. Stara Khan, a villain worthy of John Carter because John Carter has enhanced strength on Mars as a human, basically kind of a reverse Superman kind of thing, although he came before Superman, so Superman's actually a reverse John Carter kind of thing. I think. Anyway, uh, Stara Khan is worthy of John Carter's uh, being an adversary for John Carter because he has a cyborg arm, and he is now dead, meaning no one knows where Dejah Thoris is except for Dejah Thoris. Maybe. <laughs> uh, John Carter is desperate. He needs to find her before she, you know, dies. Uh, the Tars Tarkas, he is still not dead, but he's basically lost in the desert early on. So uh, in this particular story arc, so that John Carter has no ally because, well, uh, he had to be gotten rid of somehow in a way that makes John Carter's fight harder but doesn't kill Tars Tarkas because Tars Tarkas is a character in later books 
that occur after this comic book series. The rest of the world is searching for John Carter to find out if he has kidnapped Dejah Thoris. He, he didn't. And find out if he was raiding their cities and plundering their treasures. He did, because Stara Khan forced him to by using Dejah Thoris as leverage. So, got that? Good. So far, I've really, really loved this series, this story. Uh, Marv, Marv Wolfman, the writer and letter, uh, writer and editor, rather, he uh, he's found a great place to, to tell these stories by, by tucking them inside the, the events of the books. But even though it takes place before other stories where John Carter is obviously alive, Dejah Thoris obviously is alive, Tars Tarkas obviously is alive, uh, he's found a way to make the series or dramatic. And, you know, things are happening that you're not expecting. And it's emotional stuff that's happening. Um, the big surprise, Stara Khan didn't survive. I was expecting him to at least, you know, survive through the end of the series of comics. I know he doesn't appear in any of the books, so they could kill him off anytime they want. I did not expect it to happen right here, right now. Now, I do want to pause here, though, to make one quick note. I've said that I'd wait until finishing story arcs to pass judgment on things. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you can find this for cheap, do it. Uh, my money has already felt well spent. Uh, 25 bucks for this. I got a hardcover book. It's beautiful. The, the deal I got makes up for the human fly money that I spent already. Uh, assuming human fly doesn't get better. Which maybe I'm being a little bit of an Eeyore about that, but... It hasn't been good so far. That's all I'm saying. But uh, back to this issue. Uh, we start with J uh, John Carter desperately doing two things. He is desperately flying home as fast as possible to get help from the people of Helium. And he is desperately flashing back to the previous five issues to give the readers all the backstory they need to enjoy this particular issue. And while he's doing that, uh, we cut away. And one plot convenience... Tars Tarkas wandering the desert after being separated from John Carter, so John Carter has to go through his tribulations alone, is resolved by another plot convenience. The fleet, commanded by Moore's Kajak, leader of Helium and father of Dejah Thoris, and now seeking John Carter, just happens to see him from miles away. They just happen to pick, you know, see this little tiny figure. Actually, in the artwork, it, Tars Tarkas is not the tiny figure. He's in the foreground and we see the little tiny figure of these ships from the fleet back there, but they see it and they come and they rescue him and Tars Tarkas as well now. And he is angry because he's brought up to speed about what happened to him since he was written out of the plot. And after hearing all the things that happened after he was written out, he pledges to slay whoever spread those lies about John Carter, that John Carter, uh, kidnapped Dejah Thoris and became a pirate. Uh, unfortunately for Tars, one of the guys who was involved in that is dead. He can't really go after Stara Khan. But there are some lackeys for him. Just not in this issue. We're now done with, with Tars Tarkas. And speaking of those lackeys, they are still spreading lies about John Carter and demanding that John Carter be executed, be killed, be whatever. They, they want him dead. And the people of Helium are getting worked up into a frenzy. Now, sadly, this part of the comic rings a little bit too true. Uh, I'm, I'm 40 years old. I've seen a lot of things in the news and stuff since I started paying attention to the news. Time and time again, where this kind of thing happens on a micro 
and a macro scale where people are getting worked up based on lies. And instead of seeking truth in their quest for justice or seeking truth in their quest for vengeance, honestly, they seek whatever will quell their thirst for what they perceive as righteous, just vengeance. And you've seen it too. I, I think anyone who has watched the news in the past, well, since news existed, <laughs> so in the past hundred years, um, you've seen it. You've seen people who they're just, they get worked up. You see the guys with the pitchforks and the torches going after Frankenstein, you know, metaphorically speaking, they're, they're, they're all worked up based on lies. And what happens is the, the truth itself becomes the casualty in this. The truth itself is sacrificed and dies on the altar of, of political ideology. And, you know, basically if the story fits the narrative that people want it to fit, they accept it, whether it's truth or not. Now, in, in John Carter, in this, you know, pulp pop fiction uh, comic book, truth is not the only casualty here. Uh, these cloaked men in their dark alley meetings, they're pushing to have John Carter killed. He is intended to be the, the casualty of their lies. So when he arrives, when he when he arrives, one of them goes to tell the great one, quote unquote, and the other one goes and gets the crowds and tells them, my friends, the traitor is here in our midst to arms. So suddenly the crowds of helium become John Carter's new enemies. He came seeking help from them for Dejathoris. They come seeking vengeance on John Carter for Dejathoris. So first he fights and tries to explain. Then he flees, trying to um, avoid hurting them. And then he hides, seeking refuge and rest. He hides in the stables of the Thotes. Now, Thotes are those six-legged horse creatures. Uh, <clears throat> the strange uh, robed men, they see him and they have this conversation. That It's interesting to me. Uh, John Carter has an empathy... And a little, uh, some level of control over thoats and, and animals on, on Barsoom, on Mars. But uh, they have this conversation where one of them says to the other, Carter's inside with the thoats. And the other one says, the thoats, eh? I, I think the great one should hear about this. He has his own way of dealing with dot, 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 animals. By the way, I love ellipses. I love them far more than I should. And I put them into my writing far more than I should. So when I see them like this, I, I just, it, it gives me a, a nice little grammatical thrill. Anyway, as John Carter hides, the thoats are becoming more and more agitated and they end up breaking out in a stampede from the stables and the crowds. Now they are running away from a mind controlled stampede, just as John Carter earlier was running away from a mind controlled stampede. They're the human or rather the, the Barsoomian, mind controlling being they were believing the lies and getting worked up into the frenzy. The thoughts seem to be under control, under the control of some sort of evil bad guy somewhere. So John Carter gets pulled out of hiding. He has to come out because he has to help because he can control the thoughts with his mind powers, but he can't, he, he's unable to right now. He tries to stop them with brute strength, but he cannot. And it gets more desperate as he's not just trying to protect people on the streets, the crowds who were once trying to kill him. He's now trying to protect these thoughts. The stampede is heading toward the incubation chambers. Now, the incubation chambers, I didn't realize this until coming to this part of the comic book. Uh, 
they uh, that's where they put the eggs of the young Barsoomians. And the eggs are there for five years until they're ready to hatch. And this batch of the next generation of the people of Helium is due to hatch in five months. They're not ready to hatch right now. But the stampede, just the stampede itself nearing the incubation chambers is cracking the eggs. And they're not just going near it. They're actually rushing toward it. They are going to go inside the chambers. In the narration, John Carter tells us that 500 unborn Martians are inside in that path of death. And so uh, we get to a scene that really it's an agonizing scene for me. It's, it's painful. It's horrifying. The Thotes break through, break past John Carter as he's trying to stop them. He's, th- he's like picking up the, a Thote and throwing them at the other Thotes, you know, but he's failing, completely failing. He ends up inside with them as he's getting trampled. Some eggs are getting trampled and they don't show like dead bodies of the little guys inside the eggs, but they do show the egg shells getting cracked and, and crunched and crushed and John Carter, he gets one of the newborn, new hatched children in his arms. And as he does that, he starts to manipulate and move some of the other eggs out of the way. But it is horrifying. It is horrifying. It's hard to tell exactly what's going on. But when you start to realize what's going on, uh, and, and part of this might be that I, I've had five children. I, well, I haven't. My, my wife has. But I was, I was part of the, the situation. I loved each of those children before they were born. And maybe that's why looking at this is so difficult because I'm watching these children who they they've been, you know, nurtured in an incubation chamber. But still, for five years, uh, they they're the intention is for them to hatch and to live a life. And uh, that maybe that's why it was difficult for me, though. The narration then later on, after everything's said and done, John Carter says in the narration, only a dozen eggs were lost. And they were by, quote, selection, the least likely to survive. So it's all okay, I guess, said John Carter anyway. But to me, it's still a tragedy. This is horrifying. I, I can't help wondering, is is Marv Wolfman trying to manipulate us here? And rather than he's trying to make some sort of point, uh, is he just trying to manipulate us emotionally with the death of children? And if he is, it worked. I was manipulated. Uh, if he's not, it still worked. I was manipulated. But then it does kind of bother me that he kind of sweeps it away saying only 12 and they would have died anyway. Now, to me, I look at those as, you know, 12 deaths. Those are 12 casualties, 12 lives that were lost to these lies that have been told about John Carter. These are lives that were lost before they even had a chance to to get out of their egg and live, you know? Uh, And the one that he rescues that he's holding in his arms is sleeping. So these, these guys, they're, they're, they're not just egg yolks, you know, they're, they're living, breathing creatures. They, it's able to hatch out and be, and right away is right there breathing in his arms and is able to survive as he's holding this child under the trampling feet of thoughts. So then JC turns and faces the crowd, the child still in his arms, and the crowd now blames him and attacks him and beats him. They beat him down, and he can't really fight back. He's holding that child. He's protecting that child, and then they leave him dead. They leave him dying anyway. They presume him to be dead. Is he dead? Of course not. He's not dead. He's narrating the story. But even as the crowd you know, 
egged on, <laughs> egged on. I didn't. Yeah. Anyway, egged on by the lies, uh, even as they atta- attack him and he's protecting that child to the final panel. Um, he, he, he falls and, and he's upside down on the stairs. You know, he's laying with his head toward the bottom of the stairs. His feet are, are kind of on the platform at the top of the stairs. He's holding that child in his arms. It is a powerful, powerful image. This is one of those, uh, a comic book haunting moment. I'm going to call it my, one of my film instructors said every screenplay that you write has to have some haunting moment. And it's a scene that will stick with your audience, even outside of the context of the movie. And this is one that sticks with me of him laying there holding that child. They were beating him at the risk of killing the child that was sleeping in his arms. I don't know how long the child stayed asleep, looks asleep as he falls. I don't know if the child is alive. I don't know if we're ever going to see this child again. But anyway, um, he's still holding that child in his arms. And this is a, this is what I would call a haunting moment. This is a panel that uh, when I think about John Carter, this is one of those things I was thinking about. And all of this ties into this idea of the casualties of lies. Truth is a casualty lie to lies, but also the next generation of people becomes a casualty to lies. I, you know, the, the death of these children to me is a direct link to the the truth that is being ignored by the people. If the people had not gone into a mob mentality and gone after John Carter, John Carter wouldn't have had to go into hiding and wouldn't have given those bad guys the idea to have the thoughts come out and become the next mob. And it would have, I mean, maybe the bad guys would have done something different, something more evil, but because of what happened here, because they allowed themselves to be whipped up into a frenzy and egged on into, you know, going after John Carter, the casualties, the death is a, they think John Carter and, and B these 12 children. Now, uh, just in, in closing again, I really enjoy, enjoyed reading this issue and I can't wait to the next issue. Why? Well, the blurb for the next issue says, As John Carter lies dying, Deja Thoris fights back. And it's about time. Everything John Carter does, he does for her. But it is time. And it, it is time for her to start doing some things, too. I can't wait to get her back into the story. Tar- Tarkus, he's back. Deja Thoris, she's coming back. And John Carter, obviously not dead. The artwork, by the way, on this is also great here. Gil Kane, is, he's doing that swashbuckling style. I really just love looking at the motion and emotion that comes out of his artwork. Uh, he's, he's just such a skilled artist. Uh, now, uh, okay, until we get to the last couple pages where that baby that, that John Carter is holding... It kind of goes from being in and looking like a you know, a you know a six month or a seven month old baby that's not quite big enough to walk, but has you know a little bit of chunk to it, and then it starts looking like a five year old child the way he's laying in John Carter's arms, and then he goes back to baby size, maybe more like a toddler or something, um, but he's just kind of the baby switches body types and body sizes as as it goes on. And uh, it's a minor quibble, though, to an this is an action packed and emotional book. And I really, really have enjoyed it. So four out of five books now get thumbs up. All four of these books make me want to come back after their endings. The only 
one that doesn't make me want to come back is the one shot. There is nothing more to come back to anyway. That's the deep. And it was a complete letdown to me. Uh, but even the weakest this time, Human Fly, got me genuinely interested in what happens next. Uh, man, and, and John Carter, I am so, I'm just, John Carter just gets me excited about reading comics. It, it just, it's that sweet spot, man. And, and this issue is just kind of, uh, just proof. You know, this is, is just one more example of, of just the fun that Marv Wolfman and the art teams that he's been working with are, are putting into this book. So that leads us then to our final segment. It's time for the epilogue, the bullpen bulletin, where I take a look at some of the things that are in the issues, in the advertisements and, and in the um, text pieces that they have in here. Uh, also, I this is where I crown Star Wars as, once again, the winner for best sound effects. We, we get a nice ronk and fronk. It, it just It's good stuff. Uh, I love sound effects almost as much as I love ellipses and swamp monsters. I love weird things. I really and grilled cheese sandwiches. Anyway, uh, we've got uh, advertisement for Pizzazz Magazine, which is a kids magazine. I used to love those kind of things. I, I'm curious how they would hold up in, uh, later, you know, if looking at them right now. But we get the usual, the uh, the uh, flea market type pages. One has a, a book called The Magnificent Superheroes of Comics Golden Age. And it gives, I think, it's it's like actual stories from the Golden Age that they're reprinting. It's kind of cool. Uh, I really am curious about that. There's another page of flea market stuff. There's um, your chance to uh, sell grit again. Kind of the kid's pyramid scheme. I'm not sure exactly how that works. There's a uh, daisy rifle one. Uh, there's Spalding presents Street Ball with uh, Rick Barry and Dr. J in their own little comic book uh, ad adver advertisement kind of story where uh, Dr. J and Rick Barry, they come and, and uh, they're playing with a Spalding uh, rubber ball like they grew up with because the vinyl balls that you can get, are they're just too slick. And uh, Dr. J and, and, and Rick Barry both do a great job of of uh, making some baskets because they're using the right ball there. You can teach yourself music, which I always wanted to do, but don't need to anymore because I have an iPad with, that has a, a guitar app on it. Uh, you can see Seven Miles Away with the Secret Spy Scope. And this is not a toy, it says. This is the real deal. You can slam into a Slim Jim. Uh, there's a couple bodybuilding ads. And the one that I found the most fun was uh, Crazy Dave, or rather, uh, Crazy David's mail order t-shirt company. And there's a couple things on here. There's like a couple Farrah Fawcett, and then there's Starsky and Hutch and uh, Kiss. There's Disco Duck, which is, is uh, I, I remember Disco Duck. It was, it was a thing, unfortunately. The ones that I like was there's the I'm with Stupid that has a, a hand pointing you know off to the side i had never seen this before but then it's uh a one pointing the opposite direction it says stupids with me uh that just never caught on very well i guess there's one that uh, says super kid and then my favorite one it's uh i actually would love to have this t-shirt if it wasn't so weird uh it's a word balloon 
and it has words in it. It says, uh, belly buttons need love too. And the tail is pointing to where your belly button would be. I, I don't know why it's just, that really struck me as funny. So anyway, if you go to Stan's bullpen then and Stan's report, he mentions something. I didn't know this existed. There is a next great origins book is coming out. Um, it's going to be called the superhero women. And it goes along with uh, Origins and Son of Origins and Bring on the Bad Guys. I want to find this book. I did not know this existed. I have those other three. They're really, really cool. They have, you know, they reprint in a time when they really didn't do a lot of graphic novels. These are reprints of first issues. Uh, and sometimes I think they even have like extra stories. I want to find this book, The Superhero Woman. I, it, I really am. I'm intrigued. The other thing he mentions is the uh, the great new live-action CBS TV primetime Spider-Man made-for-television movie should be premiering sometime in September. Watch your announcements in the local newspapers. And then there's just a, a lot of the... They mentioned The Deep is coming out, but, uh, yeah, we, we've talked about that. And, yeah, so this overall, this month... I. I'm enjoying what I'm doing here. The grand experiment of reading through Star Wars month by month and these other things. Um, obviously, I'm not doing it month by month myself because I've skipped a couple months. Um, you know, new jobs, Christmas season, a uh, lot of lot of things happening. But uh, the fact that I was able to get back to it and enjoy myself, I just really like doing this. And the grand experiment so far is a net gain. It's a win. I'm enjoying myself. I'm enjoying what I'm reading. Even when it's bad, I'm at least finding something to talk about. And there's enough good to really outweigh the bad at this point. I hope that there never comes a time when the bad starts outweighing the good. Um, the fact that Human Fly didn't last too terribly long gives me a little bit of hope. Although there are a couple of things coming up that I have no clue what they are going to be like. So we'll find out. For now, though, that ends this, uh, this episode, this issue. Uh, this this uh, of the podcast. I want to thank you for listening. You can go to comicbooktimemachine.com where you can find our new episodes. You can also go to facebook.com slash comicbooktimemachine where we'll post announcements about new, new episodes. And beyond that, I just want to thank you so much for listening. And if you are reading any of these titles or if any of these things are interesting to you or if I'm putting you off any of these things because of the way I'm talking about them, I would love to hear from you. You can email us uh, we're at feedback at well. Oh no, that's not. It's not welcome to level seven. Wrong podcast. Feedback at comicbooktimemachine.com. So we look forward to hearing from you. And thank you so much for listening. And uh, again, I'm just having a, a fun time reading these comics. Which really, what else are comics for but to engage you, entertain you, and or uh, you know, engage you with fun or emotion. But whatever it is, I'm, I'm enjoying myself right now. So until next time, everyone, Godspeed. Thanks for listening to the Comic Book Time Machine's Marvel's Cosmic Comics feed. You can find more discussion of many, many more comics like Superman and Spider-Man, what Ifs and Elseworlds, The Six Million Dollar Man and Batman, comics seven days old and seven decades old, on our main feed, which you can find on iTunes or at comicbooktimemachine.com. We'd also love it if you join us on Facebook at facebook.com or on Twitter, where we are at Comic Time.
Next episode, Star Wars, issue number six. Wrapping up that original movie adaptation. 